Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Lord said to Moses, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each of their ancestral tribes, you shall send a man, one, everyone a leader among them. And so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them leading men among the Israelites. So if you've been here the past couple of weeks, then you already know that this mission is probably not going to go well. But in case you're just tuning in, let me fill you in for a moment. We're in the middle of a sermon series called In the Wilderness, where we are looking at the book of Numbers in order to find out just how, in the face of human betrayal, God's faithfulness helps us to find healing. And so far, we've looked at how Moses' closest relatives, his siblings, his brother and his sister, betrayed him. Now, immediately after that situation is resolved, a new situation is about to arise. This time, the primary actors are going to be the next closest group of people in Moses' circle the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. But before we get into the weeds over there in the wilderness of Paran, let's do a little bit of catch-up to get to where we are today. You see, long before this moment in history, God called a man named Abraham away from his hometown over in the east, likely in the land of Babylon. And he promised Abraham, if you leave and you go and you follow me, I will cause you to have descendants that are so numerous you can't even count them. They will outnumber the, the number of stars in the sky. And they will become a nation. And those descendants, that nation, will occupy and live in a place called the Promised Land. And that Promised Land was the land of Canaan. Now, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, carried this promise, and he had 12 sons. And those 12 sons became the heads of the tribes of Israel. And they moved their family down into Egypt in order to survive a widespread, massive, and lengthy famine. And while they lived in the land of Egypt, Abraham's descendants, the tribes of Israel, became enslaved. And many, many, many years later, God rescued them through this man, Moses. And Moses led them up out of Egypt and into the wilderness on a quest to move into the promised land, 
into the land of Canaan. And so it seems that Moses and the Israelites are almost there. They have gotten close enough to Canaan to send spies into the land to see what they're going to be dealing with once they get there. You see, although God promised this land to Israel, there's kind of a problem. It's already occupied by a bunch of other nations and people groups. And so God tells Moses, send in some spies so that you can get a report and understanding of what you're going to be dealing with once you get there. And so Moses appoints 12 leaders to go into the land, and this is what he tells them to do. This is Numbers 13, starting at verse 17. It says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, Go up there into the Negeb, go up into the hill country, and see what the land is like. You know, whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they live in is good or bad, whether the towns that they live in are unwalled or fortified, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be bold and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, it was the season of the first ripe grapes. And so basically Moses says, go in there and find out if the people that are living there are going to give us a problem. Go find out if we can take them in battle. I don't know. We're going to find out. See if they pose a threat to us. And also, while you're there, find out if this land is really all that it's cracked up to be. Find out if it truly still flows with milk and honey like God had told us it does. And so the spies go, and they do as they're told, and this is what happens. This is picking up at verse 25. It says, At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the Israelites in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And so it looks like things are going well, right? The spies go. They, they do what they've been told to do. They're gone for 40 days, which in Bible language means like a time of testing. And it seems as though maybe these spies have passed the test. The land certainly seems to have passed the test because the land is good. It's really, really good, actually. It's what God has said that it is. And so what's the problem? Everything seems to be going fine here. Where's the conflict? Well, it comes in like the next line. Yet the people who live in the land are strong, and the towns are fortified and are very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. They're like, hey, it's a great place. Don't get me wrong. Good neighborhood. But That's their report. It's a great place, but, but Moses, 
we can't afford to go live there. It's like how I feel when I drive past the Mercedes dealership. Nice place. <laughs> Out of my price range. I can't afford to go there, right? You've said this before in your life too. They say, the people who live there, Moses, they're militarized. They've got defenses. The cities are huge. They're massive and they're walled. Even if we could get into the cities, there's no way we could fight our way across them. We aren't just going to walk in there and occupy this land. But just in case Moses, friends, Israelites, just in case that hasn't knocked you off your square or changed your mind, know this. The descendants of Anak live there. And you're all like, huh? Who? Well, the descendants of Anak, or the Anakim, were very large people. They were actually considered giants. Now, some people believe that they were just naturally, genetically taller than your average Israelite, who were like below average, generally, when it came to stature. And that's definitely a viable opinion as Israelites, you know, were known to be small and other people were known to be taller than them. But others believe that they were supernaturally large people. Like, they were the hybrid creation of an unholy union between humans and spiritual beings large. Now, regardless of what they actually were, Israelites definitely held to the later view. To them, the Anakim, who were descended from these evil beings called Nephilim, were supernaturally strong and tall. These were not people that you waltzed in on and decided to pick a fight with. And so that's the report coming back. Like, bad news, Moses, we can't go into the promised land. God lied to us, and he lied to you. So we might as well just turn around and go back. So it's not a good scene for, for Moses. His authority, his vision, his direction for the people that was given to him by God is being directly challenged, all in front of the population that Moses is supposed to lead. But, you know, these trusted people, these people that Moses had placed some authority and some trust in, they haven't gone all the way yet. There's still some hope. Maybe there's a voice of reason among them. This is just their opinion. And that voice of reason comes from a young man named Caleb and along with him, a young man named Joshua. It says, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us just go up at once and occupy it. What's the big deal? For we are well able to overcome it. And so there it is. You've got Caleb. He brings the minority report. He says, we can do this, Moses and friends. After all, didn't God promise this land to us? Didn't God promise to bless us and to bring us peace? Heck, doesn't the high priest pray over us every single time that we meet? 
But God, the Lord bless you and keep you? Lord, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you? The Lord lift up his favor upon you and bring you peace? Shalom? Certainly all of this quarreling here in the wilderness isn't the peace that we've been promised, is it, friends? Let's see how it plays out. It says, Then the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go against this people, for they are stronger than we are. And so they brought to the Israelites an unfavorable report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great size. There we saw the Nephilim, for the Anakites came from the Nephilim. And to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. And this is where we leave off for today. There's no real good resolution here. The spies don't relent. They're not like, oh yeah, Caleb, you're right. God said so, let's do it. Instead, they, they rile up the people and they stretch the story even further. They engage in a campaign of disinformation to unsettle the people and derail Moses' plan to enter the promised land. Now, now they're not saying the land is flowing with milk and honey. Now the land is deadly and devours the people who live in it. They are actively working against God's promise to the people against God's promise that Israel will inhabit the land of Canaan and against God's promise to bring shalom and peace to God's people. This scene's got like oozing with modern day application, right? Like just on a broad societal level, this is what we deal with every single day. Like I don't honestly know who or what to trust when it comes to getting information about what's really actually happening in the world, right? It's a mess. There's very few sources of information that aren't trying to pull or even deceive us into a particular way of thinking about what's happening in the world. But besides all of that, what we are seeing here is something that we will often face in life at one point or another. We develop a circle of trust in our personal lives, or in our professional lives, or even in our philanthropic lives. And sometimes, the people that we trust, whether they intend to do so or not, stab us in the back derail our plans, actively work against our vision or our hopes for the future. And sometimes it's just that those people that we call friends are poisoning our name and our reputation behind our backs. It's all happened to us at one point or in time or another. And I can say that with confidence because I'm looking at this room and I know that every single one of you has been to middle school right? And here's the sad thing about our world. Even though people graduate from middle school physically, sometimes they never do emotionally. 
gossip, and rumors run our world at times. And it's only intensified as the world has moved towards the social media domination. And so what Moses is dealing with here, well, it's not unique to Moses, right? It's something that we all understand. It's something that we all deal with in our lives. Heck, even Jesus himself had to deal with this. Look at this from the Gospel of Matthew. says, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So he's betrayed by all of these people. But even closer to home, this is what happens next. And Peter... Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. See, what Peter's doing, he doesn't know that he's doing it. Peter is pushing against God's divine plan for human redemption. He has no idea. And so if this is something that Moses dealt with and Jesus after him dealt with, what is the answer for us? How do we deal with and heal from the wounds caused by the trust that we give out being broken? I think that Moses' story gives us some pretty good insight and that Jesus' story wraps it up for us. Because here's the thing. It's easy, even for us reading this story thousands of years later, to focus on the report of the majority of the spies. Ten of the 12 of them were actively working against Moses. But two of them, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua remembered the promises of God, and they remembered their loyalty to Moses and his charge to lead the people. And what that means for us is we've got to focus on those who still stand with us. It's really easy to focus on the mess caused by those who have hurt us in the past or even are still currently actively hurting us now in the present. But the truth of the matter is that we can't focus on that. As hard as it is for us to try to shift our attention, focusing on the trust that was broken stops us from being able to give our attention and our trust to the people who deserve it the people who are still standing by us, our Caleb's and our Joshua's, the people who stick around even when everyone else seems fit to just leave us behind and tarnish our name on the way out. You see, when we focus on the ones who have caused us harm, all we do is continue the cycle of harm. 
We allow them to live rent-free in our heads, to spoil our night's sleep. It's like drinking poison and expecting them to die. What we need to do is focus on those who are still in our corner, those who still believe in our vision, those who still believe that God has a plan for our lives. We need to focus on the people who still see us the way that God sees us. When we place our focus on that, on the people who remind us that not everyone has betrayed us, then we're given space to begin to heal. We can begin to see ourselves in the right frame of reality. We can begin to trust again. It might come slowly. It might be a tough process. But it's a process that we all need to go through. We can do it. Because that is what God has promised us. God has promised us peace, shalom, the reconciliation of our own hearts to the world around us. When Jesus rebuked Peter for opposing his journey to the cross, he told him, stop focusing on human things and start focusing on divine things. And what is more divine than the promise of God's peace in our lives? What is more divine than holding fast to the promises of God? What is more divine than the people that God sends into our lives to hold on to us when it seems like everyone else is walking away? And so why don't we this week Focus on the divine things together. Let's put away the past and and maybe even the current hurts and just lean into the people who still stand by our sides. Let's make it a point to tell those people how much we appreciate them this week. And make it a point to thank God and be grateful for those who are loyal to us, even if they are just bringing the minority report. Because God has proven that the minority of human beings can be just enough to change the world forever. And so who are we to say that the minority of people can't be enough to change our hearts, our minds, and our lives as well. Let's pray. God, we thank you that regardless of the messes that we've made in in our lives, regardless of what other people say about us or call us, that you cause your face to shine upon us, that you look at us and you see your beloved children, heirs of the kingdom of God, that you are not done with us. In fact, you are just getting started. So God, help us to live in the gratitude of those who, who have stayed by our side, of the community 
of faith that has, has held us, has built us up. And God, help us to be those types of people for those amongst us that are experiencing pain, that are experiencing betrayal, that just need to know that they are not alone in this world, that you are with them and that you are for them, and that we are too. So God, we thank you that when all seemed lost, you came and you lived among us to prove that you are with us and for us, that you took that promise all the way to the cross. You faced betrayal upon betrayal upon betrayal, and none of them derailed you from your purpose and the fulfillment of the redemption of humanity. So God, we thank you. It's in your name we pray.